Welcome to the Critical Conversations podcast, hosted by two critical care nurses who are doing things differently. We're here to discuss our healthcare system, why preventative health is so important to us, and what you can do about it. What if I told you, you had the power to change the trajectory of your life? Would you do it? Hey guys, welcome back. This is Critical Conversations podcast number six. And today we decided that we would dive in and start talking about how each of us kind of got to where we are um, with our health and why we're so passionate about prevention and uh, just individualizing healthcare because we are in fact individuals and not all the same. Um, Instead of talking about both of our health journeys, we are going to just talk about Brie today because we could easily overwhelm and kind of cut each other off easily because we have a lot of similarities and a lot of differences in our stories. So we wanted to focus in on one person and then we'll focus in on the other person after. So today we're talking about Brie and she actually has a very interesting history. You've heard a little bit about it. You've heard about it in previous episodes and her eating and how that's changed, um, how she grew up and how that's changed and that she is an ER nurse and um, has kind of used her knowledge that she's had from nursing school and from her professional life and applied it to her own self and weeded all of that out and kind of figured out where she needs to go and who she needs to see. So she's basically been a living testimony to everything we've already discussed. And I kind of want to just open up the floor and have her tell her story to us as an example of what she's been doing. Hey guys, this is Brie. Um, I have never told my story in full on this kind of length before, so bear with me. I'm going to try and keep the timeline as clear as possible. I've been meaning to write a blog post on my website and things like that that I've just never gotten around to because it's pretty personal um, and there was a lot of stress and emotion involved with everything I went through. So I would say The majority of my symptoms all started at the very beginning of 2016. But in retrospect, when I look back on my health history, I can see a timeline building for decades. Um, I just turned 30. So just looking back on my health history, I was the kid who got strep throat a lot. I was taking penicillin. Um multiple times a year, at least twice a year sometimes. I ended up developing an allergy to that and then ended up taking a variety of other antibiotics throughout my teenage years when I would get strep throat or other um, infections. And I was also kind of the girl that had a lot of digestive issues that always kind of called them food poisoning. And I just turned a blind eye to it. But it wasn't until 2016 that I developed a rash, a patch on my left upper arm. I remember I was at, on a ski trip with my family and I had this like itchy patch on my skin and that's kind of where everything began. So that rash developed into a full body rash over time and led me to hide my symptoms for a while, take antihistamines, take, I was taking Benadryl and Claritin and putting on different creams, trying to treat it myself until I realized I needed further help. So I had to pursue um, medical treatment and try and figure out what was causing it. And 
I saw multiple doctors. I'm sure Laura will kind of dive in and (laughs) ask me the differences between all those. But I saw multiple doctors along the way and ended up having to pursue my own path and educate myself in elimination diet to try and pinpoint where the symptoms and causes were truly coming from. So it was a winding road and a lot of retrospective research into my life and um yeah, I don't even know how to start it. Ask ask me something, Laura, and maybe I can kind of clarify it a little bit. Yeah, no, I think I wanted you to give a good overview and I think you did a great job of that. So um it actually wasn't that long ago, Brie. I know. <laughs> what were how like what were you what was your day-to-day? What were you eating? What were you doing? I know that you said in the last episodes, we went through how you were a vegan for 10 years. When you were a vegan, were you having all these issues? Um, well, I wasn't vegan for 10 years, but I was vegan vegetarian for 10 years. Um, oh, okay. I was Thanks. vegan for a short time in college, but when I lost a lot of weight quickly after going vegan for, f- I think after six months, I started secretly adding dairy and eggs and some poultry back into my diet very, very minimally. I would say at most I was vegetarian, um, but I was at the very beginning adding just that stuff secretly into my diet, calling myself vegan for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, Vegetarian for 10 years with very minimal um, poultry and fish every now and then if I was really craving it. But I hadn't eaten red meat strictly did not eat red meat after getting that PETA pamphlet when I was walking across campus in college um, for at least 10 years. I think it might have been a little bit more than that. Um, I had slowly transitioned my diet and educated myself on the ingredients in my food and things beginning in 2012. Mm Kind of transitioned from a conventional diet to an organic, cleaner, more real food diet but I wasn't really avoiding anything in particular other than red meat. Yeah. Um, when So when you were on this family ski trip, is that the first time that you've had an outward, like a physical expression of something that's been going on? Yeah. I mean, I had had digestive issues, which when I look back for <laughs> years, um, yeah. I had food poisoning more than the average person should have food poisoning in their life probably. <laughs> Did you? Did you truly believe that you were having food poisoning? I did. I didn't. I didn't think anything more of it because I would get severe digestive issues, diarrhea, and vomiting all together. That would only come mm. in spouts of days, and then it would go away. Um, but yeah, as far as like rashes on my skin, I had never had eczema or psoriasis or had any issues with rashes on my body. But I've always had acne issues, um, especially when I was a teenager. And I was on Accutane for a short amount of time in my life. Uh, I think I was on Accutane for six months to a year. It was around my senior year of high school. Um, I don't remember the time frame specifically, but I do remember it being a pretty significant drug that I was taking or having to get monthly blood draws to watch my liver function, um, yeah. which makes me question what the maybe the long-term <laughs> effects might have been just from that one drug. Um, but as far as like actual rashes on my skin, yeah, until 2016, until that ski trip, I had never had any outward signs like that. And I remember looking at it thinking like, did I pick up something in the ER? Is this something contagious? Like what could this be? And 
I tried to self-medicate it for a little bit because it was just like a, a patch on my arm. But yeah. as it started to spread is when I began to realize it had spread from a patch on my left upper arm to a rash on my entire upper arm. Um, and then it started spreading over to the right side. I went to the urgent care just to make sure I didn't pick up something contagious. And that physician told me, I think I went to him in late February. So the rash started very beginning of January. I finally went to a doctor late February and he told me it was dermatitis, urticaria. I was allergic to something and gave me a steroid cream to rub on my skin to make it go Mm -hmm. away. Um, actually, yeah, this is always something I forget to include. Um, my entire life, and my mom can vouch for this too, um, I've had like bumps on the back of my arm, on the upper backs of my arms my entire oh, yeah. life. And okay. I remember being in high school, sometimes they would get like, sometimes they would be worse than other times, sometimes they'd be a little red and inflamed, but they were never full like acne, and it was never a full like eczema, psoriasis rash, they were just bumps. Most of the time they weren't red. Um, Sometimes they would be worse than others. And, like, my mom and I both had the bumps. She still has them sometimes. I've been trying to get her to look into that a little bit more. Um, But I remember going through cream after cream after cream, trying to treat those when I was younger. And I finally gave up and just kind of accepted it, that that was just kind of part of my skin. That was your norm. Yeah. Hmm. And then they've gone away since you've changed your diet and you figured out your stuff. Ever since I figured out the final cause, they're completely gone. Yeah. Which we haven't actually gotten to right. in the story yet. Right. But I just kind of wanted to get a picture of like what your childhood, what, when did it change? What was happening? And we had mentioned in a, a few, a few episodes ago that you didn't actually go, you were one of those people, which I feel like is very common. So there's nothing I won't, I'm not saying anything bad about it, but you were one of those people who didn't see a doctor for prevention until there was a problem. Correct. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So even if they, even if you're, if, even if they had taken blood levels and even if they had seen that you are having issues, um, they, I mean, maybe they would have done something, but you didn't go to see it. Yeah, because so there was nothing that you could do. Yeah, the symptoms I were having were so far and few between, like the food poisoning, whatever symptoms that I would right. have briefly. They weren't persistent enough for me to think it was anything that would yeah. show up on lab work, you know. Um, sure. And yeah, I, I thought I was that person, like that nothing was wrong. There was no point in going yeah. to the doctor. And the last time I had had blood work drawn was probably when I was on Accutane when I was in high school. I think that's a really com- but as we said before, I think that's very common. I think that most people don't think that, especially if they're in their twenties, they're like, I don't have any reason to go to the doctor. I'm not sick, which many of people aren't sick. I'm not saying that you should be only sick. I'm saying that you should. That's when the time is to go to get a good, healthy baseline to know where you are, or to try to steer your car, so to speak. I, you guys know I love metaphors, but like to steer yourself if you do see a red flag or you see something creeping up that shouldn't be there, to steer it in another direction. And right. That's the whole point of going there. Obviously, you didn't go there. I'm not saying that anyone would have found anything because so, lots of times people don't, or they, or you get to fall under the umbrella of. You have IBS, which is like Correct. my favorite Correct. thing ever. They'll be like, oh, you have IBS or you have too much stress in your life and you need to stop being an internal stressor. Right. Which IBS is the diagnosis that is given when they don't find any actual yeah. diagnosis that is Irritable bowel syndrome. Yeah. 
when you just have a bunch of symptoms um, and nothing's coming out as a, as a match, basically. Right. So autoimmune diseases are actually very common um, within the population. There's a podcast I was listening to today. It was a Bulletproof podcast. Um, I think it's episode 477. Um, if you guys are interested in listening to it, it gets very sciencey. But basically, it was saying three to seven um, out of 10 new patients at a doctor's office is coming are coming in with complaints of autoimmune issues, whether they're full-blown diseases or their beginnings of or their symptoms of. Um, and so autoimmune diseases are basically your body's attacking itself for some reason, and there's a many reasons that they could be. Um, they all seem to be related. If you want to find more about that, again, go there. But it sounds like Brie, you fall into this category. So you ended up seeing the other, the other thing that the guy said today was the average person before getting diagnosed with an autoimmune disease or anything in that spectrum, see three and a half doctors while their symptoms are presenting because they usually start small. Symptoms are symptoms. It's hard to nail down symptoms, especially if they're very broad. Like right. If you're just having general GI distress, it's very difficult to say, this is why. Right. And I wasn't connecting any of those symptoms together clearly at the time. So if when I was seeing the doctors, it was just the rash or it was like just the vomiting or diarrhea. Like it was never something that I was realizing was connected. So if I wasn't realizing it, they weren't going to realize it either. Yeah. And I, I think it's, it's, it's just a hard to be fair to all practitioners, it's a difficult thing to nail down, mm-hmm. especially if the majority of people don't have a baseline of any any value. So they can't even say, has this shifted? What's going on here? Right. Um, and a lot of people aren't that good of historians. Like we're not, a, most people aren't great trackers of their own health anyway. Yeah. And from my experience personally and my experience at the bedside, like, it's human nature to try and kind of downplay your story as you know, for most people, um, Mm -hmm. they don't necessarily want to admit things are wrong or that things are as severe as they are. So sometimes when the doctor is interviewing you, you kind of forget to mention certain symptoms that have been happening or thing, you know, because like I said, it's also recognize them as symptoms. It's also clear now in retrospect that they were all connected. And at the time Mm -hmm. I didn't realize it. So when I first went to the urgent care doctor, it was literally, I'm here because this rash is on my arm and I work in an ER and I'm afraid Mm -hmm. it might be contagious and I've never had (laughs) symptoms like this before. Like, please tell me I don't have scabies. Um, (laughs) I really didn't know what it was. Um, he reassured me it wasn't contagious. He told me you're allergic to something. Stop using perfumes and dyes and chemicals in your products and it should clear up. And I said, well, that's kind of the issue because pretty much everything in my house is very clean and I haven't used perfume in years at that point. Um, so it just kind of left me dumbfounded as to like where to progress from there. So I used the cream, um, the rash kind of improved but not really it would kind of take the itchiness away and some of the redness away but the rash was always there and it just continued to get worse Hmm. um so i had seen him he had kind of disregarded it as no big deal you're allergic to something so that also planted a seed in my head that there was no point in seeing anybody else because i'm just allergic to something and i have to figure it out Mm -hmm. um so i allowed more time to go by i think 
partially because of that conversation I had with him. And I tried to change the laundry detergent I was using. Actually, like, I had changed everything. I changed laundry detergent, the body wash. I stopped using lotions and creams. I changed everything I was using. I think at the time I was trying to avoid coconut oil because I had been using coconut oil on my skin a lot, and I was wondering if that was correlated to it. Like, even the cleanest ingredients that are supposedly good for us, I was avoiding and switching and nothing seemed to be helping. Yeah. So you went to an urgent care doctor. Mm -hmm. You switched like your whole life, which I think most people go through the exact same motions of what you just did. They're like, I don't want to go see anyone else because obviously it's something I'm doing or being exposed to. So let me try to spend this next month or two months weeding because you have to slowly weed out to understand if it is that or isn't that right each product and so um the variables kind of stack up and you're you feel like you need to take ownership of it and by the time it's not going away you're like two to three months later yeah pretty much who did you see next a dermatologist okay yeah at that point i was having digestive issues but i wasn't fully correlated and when i say digestive issues i was mostly just having constant diarrhea like I know it's it's a lot TMI for a lot of people but I I had throughout my childhood teenage years up through like my early 20s I had pretty normal digestive processes I didn't really have many issues until when I say I was having like the food poisoning like symptoms it was probably within the three to four years before the rash started to develop so it was odd and it was abnormal for me to be having digestive issues, but I I just didn't think that it could be connected to the skin. So I saw the dermatologist, I told him about the digestive issues, and he looked at my skin and he didn't think much of it. He just told me it was because at that point it had been going on for almost six months that it was going to be chronic, most likely and that I probably Mm -hmm. wasn't going to pinpoint the cause of it. He's like, you've already switched out everything. Nothing's improved. At this point, you're stressing yourself out more (laughs) going through all of that and constantly buying new stuff and reading labels and stuff. He's like, you're probably not going to figure it out. So he handed me a prescription for a steroid cream, which was like it was a peanut oil-based triamcinolone, I believe was the name of it. And he also handed me a prescription for oral steroids for prednisone and a handful of antihistamine prescriptions as well. (laughs) It was like Benadryl, Claritin, Zyrtec, and like a Pepsid. Like, so all the different histamine blockers on all the different spectrums. And I looked at him Basically every, like a bunch (laughs) of Band-Aids. Right. I looked at him and I was like, I don't want to take those. Yeah. And of course, he wasn't happy with that response. And he looked at me and he said, well, if you don't take them, you're not going to get any better. And my response to him was, if I begin to take them, I'm not going to get any better. Because as soon as I start taking them, the rash will get better, but I won't know what's causing it. And I don't know if just because the outward signs are gone, that it doesn't mean that the internal damage isn't still happening. It kind of well, took I him aback. Like, he wasn't really sure yeah. what to do with me. And he ripped the prednisone prescription up in front of me, kind of out oh. of irritation with me. Um, and I agreed That's... to take the triamcinolone cream and the antihistamines because most of them are over the counter. And at that point, I was barely sleeping because I was so itchy. And I needed something to kind of calm it down at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty... Um, 
big bedside manner issue, but we won't get into right. that. Right. I'm not saying all doctors would respond that way. It's just that's kind not of an, my, that's my individual. That's not an appropriate response for anybody. But I think, were you studying, like, studying yourself by then? You're, like, diving in, like, what is wrong with me? I was starting to, yeah. Okay. I was starting to kind of put it together. And like I said, I, kind of, I mentioned the digestive issues to him, but he didn't think that my rash looked like it could have been correlated to a food allergy because it was chronic. I, he, I just remember he didn't think they were related. Okay. And then you weren't satisfied. You felt like this came on, I'm putting words in your mouth, but tell me if I'm wrong. It sounds like you were saying this is kind of, this came up fast. This has happened. I've gone through these motions. Something's wrong. Something's changed. And I don't want things that are, as a nurse, you know that those are addressing symptoms. And you're, you're saying, I don't want my symptoms just to be addressed. I need to figure out why this has changed. Yeah. yeah. So you went on to see who? Um, so in his office, I remember asking him, can you please do allergy testing? Like, can we do like either blood work or the skin prick test? The IgG test, yeah. Yeah. Or can you biopsy my skin? Like I was the one asking him all of these things. Which because you want to find an answer because right. you're itchy. <laughs> it's terrible. Being it was itchy. it was more than just itchy. At that point, it was cosmetic. It was causing me stress yeah. in social situations. Yeah. I was covered at that point. Seeing him from both my arms, both my legs, my entire oh. torso. Um, so oh. at that point of seeing him, I was whenever I was going outside, I was in long sleeves and long pants. I could go to work because I. I'm in scrubs so I wear long sleeves under my scrub top and I'm in pants all day and sneakers and I was lucky that the rash never affected my face hands or feet which was interesting in itself because most like eczema psoriasis it usually affects like the joints around the wrists and the hands and fingers and Mm -hmm. um, I was lucky that it never showed up there so I was actually able to hide it it work, but in social situations out in California, like going to the beach and going to meet friends at lunch when it's like abnormal to be in long sleeves and pants, um, I was turning things down and I was finding myself kind of getting into a spiral of like thinking it was like that was going to be my skin for the rest of my life. Yeah. You were in a dire situation where you, you, your life was being taken away from you. Yeah. And which was causing increased stress and making the rash worse and, you know, just a spiral of it. But back to asking him about allergy testing and biopsy, he didn't necessarily want to do it. Um, but I asked again and he referred, he did put in an order for a biopsy because at that point I had heard that, there was like an, I think it was, I want to say it was IgA. It's been a little while. But there was something that would show up in a skin biopsy if it was a true celiac gluten sensitivity skin reaction because I had been doing research into all different things. But the way my rash looked, I decided it looked mostly like dermatitis herpetiformis because um, it would come, it would ooze sometimes and it would come up in big bumps similar to the bumps I had always had on the back of my arms, but they were just worse and they were inflamed. Um, so dermatitis herpetiformis, which isn't correlated to the herpes virus at all, it just sounds similar. It's connected to gluten sensitivity, gluten intolerance. And he agreed to do that biopsy for me. So I went for a biopsy after I saw him a few weeks later and I had to stop I couldn't 
use any of the creams or any of the antihistamines or anything. So I was pretty miserable before the biopsy. And they did that, and that came back clean. Mm. (laughs) So I was told again it was just dermatitis, which is a fancy word of saying your skin is inflamed. (laughs) (laughs) I'm laughing only because there are a lot of, like, cover-all words. People like to be diagnosed. Yes. Because when there's a problem... They want a name for their problem. It makes them identify it with it better. It makes them understand it better just by naming it. Yeah. Um, and so I think that in medicine, it's really interesting. We run, keep running into different things. And a lot of itises are typically inflammation of whatever that area is. And so in this case, she had inflammation of her skin. Right. So the biopsy was negative. Then I saw an allergist, which he referred me to because his clinic in the dermatologist office was booked out for three months, I believe, for allergy testing. Wow. So I saw the allergist. um, Actually, no, I saw the allergist on my own accord. Um, It wasn't from his referral. I saw a different allergist outside of his group, and they did a whole bunch of skin prick tests that came back with a list of foods that kind of gave me at least a baseline of something to work with. I have the list in front of me right now, and it. she has 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 foods circle, circled as reactive. And did you find that those, those foods were truly reactive that you could sense? At that point, I couldn't tell anything. Okay. I was just happy to have a list of things to start working with. You liked um, that there's a name for what you are going through. Yeah, it, yeah. it was just – it felt – Like I had, it gave me a little power back to think, okay, if I literally avoid these 11 foods for the next however many months, maybe this will get better. Yeah. So I tried to be really diligent about it. Trying to avoid 11 different foods and remembering (laughs) that list is really hard. (laughs) I remember like I had a note in my phone. So like if I was at a restaurant or something and I was trying to order something, just I would order the most basic of things. But I was always looking at that list and I just felt like imprisoned by it in a sense. Yeah. Because I felt like if I accidentally ate any of it, that everything would get worse. But at the time, nothing was really better. I was just trying to avoid things to see if things would improve. It kind of helped, maybe. I was probably eating cleaner, which probably allowed, you know, I was because I was afraid to eat all these different things that I'm looking at, I was eating more from home. I was cooking my own food more than I ever had and kind of taking control of what was going into my body more. So I think the thing that probably helped the most was the fact that, yes, I was avoiding these allergens at the time, but I was also just eating a cleaner diet, which allowed my digestive symptoms to improve a little bit and my skin eh, would come and go, but it's hard to tell because I was also using that cream that the dermatologist gave me. So... It was kind of false hope that my rash was better because when I yeah. used that cream, it would improve. It would improve drastically. But every time I stopped using it, I would remember that I still had a problem because the rash would come back with a vengeance. But you were trying to find the root still. Yeah. You weren't settling for the disappearance with the cream, yeah. which is really good. And that's right, which that's is amazing. where I think a lot of people get stuck is they start to have symptoms. They're given medication. The medication helps with the symptoms, but necessarily the root cause isn't necessarily discovered. 
and that inner inflammation is still happening. So, and, but the and the problem is that you're a nurse. A lot of people aren't medically inclined, and so you had the wherewithal and the kind of personal power to consider you asking why and wanting to get to the root. Where I think a lot of people frequently would stop there because because they weren't being led, and in a lot of ways most physicians hand you, they don't, they don't, conti- they don't necessarily follow up. Right. Not just physicians, but like all practitioners, we don't have the time to follow every single person through their entire search. Um, and so if the person's not pressing into why, and the doctor's not pressing into why no one's seeking it. And when these symptoms are covered, they are no longer addressed because the physical signs of them are no longer there. I think that right there, what you just said, is exactly why I have opened up to sharing my story. Because it's so common that people just take it as it is, say okay, take take the quick medication or advice that they were given at the doctor's office and think that that's the only option and they stop pursuing a deeper reasoning for it. So I think you yeah. said that really well. I don't, I don't think that it's anyone's fault either. I just think that they don't know that they should seek out why. They don't know that they should be asking, well, what has happened that I've changed, that I suddenly have all these things? Right. And why are we okay with just putting ointment on and calling it a day? Right. And the doctor, yeah, the doctor's not with you on a daily basis. They're not seeing how it's affecting your life. They're not seeing the things that you're doing, you know. So, like, you truly have to be your biggest advocate. And I am so grateful that I have the background knowledge that I have. But also, at the same time, I had already, at that point, had done years of research into real food and the ingredients in my body products and the chemicals in my home. So I truly had cleaned up my life a lot. Yeah. But at the same time, it was even more frustrating for me because I was like, where do I go from there? Like I've yeah, already, yeah. like, did I clean up my life so much that I am now extremely sensitive to the environment? Like, <laughs> I, I like, I really, I was like in the spiral of like, not truly understanding. Yeah, of being if, just confused. Right. So You're like, I think I'm doing the right thing, but I can't tell because I'm not acting. Did I potentially better. hurt myself by sure. changing Sure. So who did you so go much? to see next? Um, I want to kind of speed this up because we're already 30 minutes in. I can't even imagine that this story is this long. Um, from the biopsy, then I went to an allergist and it happened to be that the allergist I saw that did the skin prick test was also in the same hallway as a naturopathic doctor. The allergist could see my frustration. She heard the list of doctors I had already seen and the medications I had tried. And she said, hey, you know what? There's this guy down the hall. I think you might really like him. He'll um, look into things a little deeper for you, test micronutrients and see if there's some deficiencies hiding here and like get a, a deeper look into your story. So I immediately went down the hall and made a appointment to see the naturopath at that point. Um, I wasn't able to get in right away. I had to wait a couple more weeks. But because I went to that doctor, I'm, I'm grateful for her that she recommended that I seek out like a, a different modality because at that point I wasn't – naturopaths weren't really on my radar until that discussion. So, I'm actually really impressed and really proud that she yeah. recommended you. Yeah, I think she kind of saw Open that the, door because I think that that's – I think there's no reason that we aren't all getting along. We all want the same goal. Yeah. 
And I think she saw that, like, that desperation in me. And she saw that I had already done all the previous things, like the urgent care, the dermatologist. Now I'm on to her. And, like, yeah. you know, at You're some point. You were looking for answers you weren't finding. Yeah. So I saw him. He did a whole bunch of, I mean, I feel like talking about naturopaths could be a whole episode in itself as far as how in-depth they go. But it, the micronutrient testing in itself didn't solve my rash but it gave me a deeper understanding into the imbalances that were in, happening in my body. And he was the one that really pulled things together full circle and made me understand that my digestion was haywire. And it had been like that for a long time because something I was exposing myself to had created a disrupt in my either microbiome or just in the wall of my digestive tract. Probably both. Yeah, it's all correlated. Um, Long-term history of antibiotics. When I was a child, I had been on birth control for a large part of my life after I started having a menstrual cycle just to keep my menstrual cycle steady and regular and help decrease symptoms and things. And so there's a big combination of things. So he helped me understand all of that. Um, and he handed me a list of a whole another list of things he recommended I should take. And I broke down crying in his office. And it was just like, I came to you because I don't want to take things. I don't want to be on things that are going to cover up the symptoms. And he looked at me and very genuinely said, I'm not giving you these supplements to cover up your symptoms. I'm giving you these supplements because you are deficient in these certain things and in order for you you. to heal your body you need to reestablish balance and you don't have to take these long term but let's start with them see if it helps improve and slowly take you off of them and make sure you can maintain that balance in your body so i think seeing him and knowing where my deficiencies were and starting a supplement regimen at that time was probably the beginning of my body being able to kind of heal and get back into balance, even though my rash was still all over, my digestive was terrible. That was the beginning, I believe, of the healing process. And that was like in the middle of the summer. I want to say that was like June or July of 2016. So from my understanding from talking to you, he also advised you to start doing an elimination diet with his guidance. Yeah, he said he recommended that I start looking into that. Um, He had a book for an elimination diet that they had in the office that he recommended, which I bought. But at that time, while when I saw it was in his office, I had actually been reading The Allergy Solution, the book I had talked about in the last episode. So I was already kind of midway through that book, and I brought it with me when I came to him. And I showed it to him and said, this is the elimination diet and plan that this guy recommends. What do you think of it? And he looked at it and was impressed by it. And he said, whichever one resonates with you the most, whichever one you think you can stick with, like, you know, find your why, figure out which message is speaking to you. And the allergy solution and the foods that were part of the elimination diet just worked for me better. The elimination diet that was included in their office, they were using like, they they were adding like monk fruit sweetener to things, and you they were, were trying eating, to make it palatable for people. I who guess, yeah, weren't but ready for it, yeah. it just didn't seem like it was truly real food based. Like there was, I remember there being things in the foods that they were recommending as the beginning 
just not being truly nutrient dense. It just seemed like they were trying to give you calories, but not nutrition. And I, at that time I could just tell, like I just needed the most nutrition possible. So the diet I followed in the allergy solution, like the soup and smoothie was just so full of just real food ingredients that it was just a good place to start for me. So when you've completed it, it sounded like, I mean, I know that you went into it full force because you were ready, you were desperate, you wanted to change, you wanted to fix your body. When you got to the other end of it, how did you, what happened then with, with food? To be honest, I saw him, he recommended the elimination diet. I had a lot of things going on. I wanted to heal my body, but I also was trying to balance my life. I was working night shift at the time, which increased the stress in my body. And we had a big vacation coming up and I knew that I couldn't really commit to an elimination diet. So I continued to use the steroid cream. I continued to use the antihistamines to help me sleep at night. And then I started the elimination diet a few months later after seeing him. And he kept emailing me and asking me like how things are going. (laughs) Like, are you, is it helping? And I'm like, well, I'll get around to it. Um, (laughs) um, Because the cream was hiding it. The cream was hiding the symptoms. So I forgot. Also, I think it's really, I do think it's really important to acknowledge the fact that it, it, timing does matter. Like it does matter. Compliance does matter. The fact that like it all does matter. And I actually did the same thing when I, and we'll talk about me a different episode, but you and I actually just had the same exact story without even knowing it. I haven't still been able to do my elimination that the doctor wants me to do because of vacation. And then I got Life. sick right after and it wasn't feasible yeah. for me at the time. Yeah. It didn't work. So I, I totally feel you there. So you, when you did do it, how did you feel after it? Like, what, how did you reintroduce and how did you kind of nail down what was going yeah. on with you? So when I finally got back from vacation and I had been moved back to day shift and I decided, you know what, everything's in order here. I don't have anything coming up in the next couple of months. I'm finally going to do this. And I think truly the reason I decided I was finally going to do this is because a few days before that, I stopped using the cream again and I stopped taking Benadryl and different things. And the rash came back full force in worse than it had ever been. Every time I stopped using the medications, it would just come back with a vengeance. So I started the elimination that day. Um, It took a while, but I followed it strictly. It was three months of journaling my food and doing everything. And my skin slowly started to heal. It was still discolored because the rash was so deep. Um, but the itchiness, the redness, the inflammation had subsided. My digestive issues slowly drastically improved at the end of the elimination diet the very last thing I introduced was gluten it was the last thing on my list I had reintroduced everything else on the list following his plan and it was my best friend's birthday and I took her to Earth Cafe she was visiting in LA and she loves Earth Cafe so I was like yeah let's do it like I'm at the end of this I feel great like let's see like maybe it truly isn't food maybe it was just a stress response to everything else going on in my life and I ordered a sandwich and Earth Cafe is a good place like they use clean whole ingredients they make their bread fresh I think Um, within 30 minutes I had severe abdominal pain I was in the bathroom (laughs) and the next day I was covered in a rash so from that day I was like all right that's it it was powerful. It was frustrating that all the symptoms came back. Yeah. But it was powerful to know what it was. And I think it's really interesting and really important. You said that you never, that actually didn't come back on your allergy reports. 
Correct. Yeah. In that list of 11 foods that I was told to avoid, wheat or gluten, any of the greens, actually, all of the greens, I'm looking at it right now, barley, rye, wheat, yeast, buckwheat, oat, rice, they're all zeros. So going back, kind of circling back, this is really interesting, guys, because (laughs) it was unplanned that I listened to this podcast today, but the podcast I listened to about auto, your autoimmune system and um, autoimmune diseases it was bulletproof number 477, I believe. And they were speaking to this and they were talking about how you don't necessarily have to be allergic to wheat, but wheat for some reason triggers autoimmune responses. So while Brie may not be having an actual allergy to wheat, it could actually be triggering a whole series, like a cascade of um, events in her body that is causing her body to see it as a problem and to have an inflammation response, a pretty significant one yeah. at that. Yeah, I totally so agree really, with that. I mean, I, 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 Brie hasn't even listened to it yet. I'm just, I have gotten only halfway through and I've been sitting in the car listening to other podcasts while you guys are listening to this podcast. So you should go <laughs> listen to that one. It is pretty sciencey, but it actually explains what she's talking about in depth. And I just wanted to throw that out there because if you're trying to understand it more that might be helpful but i thought it was really interesting and helpful to have you brie explain your whole history and how you kind of got here because when i met brie she was telling me about how she got interested in in what we talk about in in prevention and why are you passionate about it and why prevention begins before you're sick you prevent it can happen like because it should happen because you can you actually have a lot more control over your health outcomes than people like to think that health and wellness begins before you get sick and so i think it's i think it's helpful to me to even hear her story um because it makes you real yeah it gives you like it gives your whole voice like even more power to it because you're not coming from a place of just the clinician at the bedside who's like don't do this don't do that it's gonna make you sick like um you're coming from a place of personal experience and growth and learning that maybe maybe you should have gotten a wellness visit before you were sick but you hindsight's 2020 and when you're 20 years old you nothing's stopping you yeah usually and it's interesting that you say that because i agree with you that maybe the severity of it potentially could have been prevented because the deficiencies were starting to happen maybe you know but with these kind of things like the food allergies and the food sensitivities very unique it's different because it takes the part of it getting to the severe part for it to actually show to rear yeah. its head for you to seek out answers. But I do agree that if I would have been checking my blood levels when I was at that vegan vegetarian state and not eating red meat, maybe I may have maybe. noticed that my B12 level was de- like starting to decline. Yeah, that's true. You probably wouldn't have noticed Improving that, that may have allowed my body to not be as sensitive to other things. It, you know, like that might have been something. There were other deficiencies. I'm more talking about like not necessarily with your story specifically, but with – other disease pathologies. Oh, absolutely. Knowing your baseline. Absolutely. Yeah. Not necessarily yours specifically. I think that GI stuff and like dry, like skin stuff and GI stuff are actually really interesting because they can be a big problem and they can be completely benign and it makes it very difficult for a clinician to understand. And like thyroid issues, you can come in and have like, oh my, no one really complains about like 
your hair. But like a thyroid issue could be your hair is falling out easily and you have dry skin and you're, you're just cold, tired like all the time. People think that, oh, you work night shift. Of course you're tired or you don't put lotion on enough. Of course your skin's dry. Like there's a lot of little things mm-hmm. that if you're not very careful about it, you can add up and you can miss it. Right. But um, yeah, thanks for telling your story. I yeah. mean, have you at this point, how long has it been since you have been gluten-free and wheat-free. December 18th, 2016 was the day I ate that sandwich. And I have done everything in my power to avoid it. But the times where I have been exposed to it and I have had to learn along the way how to avoid it, especially when eating out, like something as simple as ordering gluten-free noodles at an Italian restaurant isn't good enough. (laughs) I have to actually tell them this is a legitimate allergy. I'm not doing this just because I'm gluten-free for fun. Like, please boil a new pot of water and don't boil the gluten-free noodles with the regular noodles because I've suffered from situations like that where the symptoms do come back for two to three days and it knocks me out hard. It's worse every time I get exposed to it with vomiting, diarrhea, severe rash, and body fatigue and exhaustion to the point where those are the only reasons I've ever called out sick from work is Mm. when I've been re-exposed and I can always pinpoint the like cause of it. Like I know that, oh, I ordered gluten-free noodles in an Italian restaurant last night and now I feel this way. So mm. it's been a few exposures, but yeah, it's been clear since then. My skin has fully improved. The discoloration finally went away, I think, after three or four months. Um, yeah, it was just such a learning curve. But one thing I was thinking I do, I know we're really pushing the time here. One thing I do want to kind of reiterate as far as my story goes. Um, Antibiotics were a big part of my story, long-term birth control use. But at the time when I was dealing with everything I was going through, I was also under a lot of stress in my life, a lot of stress. I was a charge nurse of a very busy emergency department for two years before these symptoms started. Um, I had also bought a house with my husband. We planned our wedding and got married in a different country. Um, six months after buying our house was about three months before the symptoms started. Um, our house, because we live in an HOA development, was also fumigated. And I fought that fumigation so hard and tried to prevent them from doing it. But we had to move everything out of our house six months after we moved into it. The house got fumigated. I was under a lot of stress around the whole situation. And then also under a lot of stress going back into a house that I had known was recently fumigated. Um, So talk about microbiome disrupt. I'm sure that (laughs) conversation and podcast episode is coming soon. I love microbiome, guys. I love it. Our microbiome and our gut health is one part of it, but our stress levels are a huge part of our health story as well. And looking back on that, I know that maybe that all those things didn't happen within the same year of each other. Oh, and I had also quit my job, got a new job, and started working night shift. So there is a lot going on, and I think that there's a lot of reasons that you're giving your body stress. Yeah, to go haywire. Yeah, so stress, inflammation, gut microbiome disruption triggered a whole skew of symptoms. So Yes, I know what my trigger is now, but I don't necessarily know that it would be my trigger if all those things hadn't happened all at once. So Mm -hmm. just be aware of the stress in your life, what's going on in your life, how you're managing the things that are happening. Not everything is in our control, 
but I, Laura and I personally right now are going through certain things as well. Um, and we were talking about that before we started recording that stress management, no matter what your health story is, is a big piece to our puzzle. Yeah. I think I, and you'll learn this about me, but it's, it's definitely stress is one of, is probably the biggest thing that you have within your control mostly with how you react, not necessarily with stressors around you. Stress is, a, is going to be, it's a given part of life, but um, stress it can definitely disrupt a lot of things Yeah, and put your health in a much worse spot than it needs to be. And obviously easier said than done. And there's definitely different ways to cope and different things you can do to help support your body. But Stress can be an entire another conversation for an entire another day, but it definitely is the icing on the cake and enough to put your body um, over the edge. Yeah, so. absolutely. Well, thanks for sharing your story. I'm glad it. I'm glad we spent time sharing your story. I know that you, Brie, was convinced that it wasn't going to be a long enough episode. Um, <laughs> and how could she possibly talk for that long? But she did a great I'm job. Like, and how can I talk about myself for that thank long? Thank you for sharing it with us because I think it's really important to to share it. I think it's really important to have people understand where you're coming from and that you're not just a clinician of concern. You are also a patient and you've also been there and you also want, wanted to know the answers and had to fight your fight. So I want to motivate everyone to speak up for themselves. If you feel like you are not getting the answers to the problems, you know, you're having, keep looking, don't give up. Um, You can always find a different doctor if the doctor you have isn't listening to you. But just because the one doctor you have isn't listening doesn't mean you stop seeing doctors altogether. Just keep seeking out until you find the person that will help. And for me, it it was a combination of everybody I saw and the naturopath and the conversation I had or saw. But ultimately, educating myself and continuing to advocate for the things I knew that I needed to be tested and things like that, that was the ultimate solution so yeah um yeah so i will include links in the show notes and on our website um www.criticalconversationspodcast.com i'll make sure that the links to the resources i mentioned are available to you so if you have any questions you can check them out there um go ahead and make sure you are subscribed to our podcast on itunes And leave us a rating and review if you haven't already. It's helping us grow and get noticed in the community, and we're really appreciating it. And next week, we will dive into Laura's story, Laura's health history. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And kind of our stories, like she said at the beginning, are so individualized, and yet we can learn so much from each other, even if your symptoms aren't the same. You can find motivation from other people as far as what you can do to start helping yourself improve your overall health and i think that's it for today thanks guys thanks for listening and we are so glad you're here with us